today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Just wait. Yeah, but I'm impatient. No, just wait. Isaiah 30, 18, the Lord will wait that He might be gracious unto you. In other words, it's been said God's delays are not God's denials. You know, there's a process in this seeming delay, but God's timing is perfect. And when the time is right, He is going to give it to you, and you are going to be so grateful. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. As Christians, when God doesn't answer our prayers, it's easy to feel the need to take matters into our own hands. Today, Pastor J.D. wants you to know that God's timing will always be perfect. You need to be patient. He always hears your prayers and delivers when the time is right. Let Him do miraculous things in your life. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 46 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Now think about this. If you worship a God that is half man and half fish and one day you go to the beach and a fish barfs out a man and says, you're going to be torched. You got my attention. What's the point? The point is, God will reach you right where you're at. He'll use whatever means, whatever it takes, because it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to a saving knowledge and come to repentance. Verse 8, remember this, and show yourselves men. Recall to mind, O you transgressors. And this is important, verse 9, and I want you to hang on to this. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring, verse 10, the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east, speaking of Cyrus, the man who executes my counsel from a far country, indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Now, as you know, I purposely emphasize the I. I think about how many times God commanded Moses to have Aaron speak to the people. Hear, O Israel, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. Now here, through the prophet Isaiah, God is, for lack of a better way of saying it, making his case. You're trying to compare me with other gods? Okay, and we saw this as well. Uh, 
let's have them do what only I can do. What's that? Oh, uh, know the end from the beginning. Let's have them predict and prophesy and declare that there's going to be a man that hasn't even been born yet. In fact, his parents haven't even been born yet. And I'm going to tell you some 200 years prior that this man is going to be born and his parents are going to name him Cyrus 200 years before. Okay, Mr. Fancy Nancy False God Worshipper, let's have your God do that. Go ahead. Go ahead. They cannot, because they are not gods. I want to point out something that is not so easily seen at first read, and it has to do with the faith that comes from remembering, remembering what God has done in the past. Recalling all the times that God was faithful. Remember the former things of old? Remember what I did for you in the past? I'm the same God yesterday, today, and forever. If I did that for you then, why would I not do that for you now? I think of David. It's, it's really one of my go-tos when it comes to this. You know the account. It's the well-known account of his slaying of the uncircumcised Philistine that's blaspheming the name of his God for 40 days and 40 nights, the number of judgment 40. And David is sent by his dad to go to the battlefield to check in on his older brothers who were there on the battlefield, and to take them some food and some bread. And he gets there. First thing that happens when he gets there is his oldest brother, who I know was bitter towards David, because when Samuel went to the house of Jesse to anoint the next king of Israel to succeed Saul, it was a given that it would be the firstborn Eliab, and it was not. And when Eliab and all of his brothers saw that it was the youngest, who wasn't even there. In fact, Samuel makes Jesse go get him. Where is he? Oh, he's out shepherding the sheep. Perfect. How's that one? Bring him in. We're told he's ruddy. Probably smelly too, as a shepherd being with the sheep. God's preparing him for that which he's preparing for him. God does that in our lives. So he brings David and he's anointed the next king of Israel. Shows up on the battlefield and Eliab is like, what are you doing here? Go home. Go back to your, how condescending is this? You got to love the sibling rivalry. Go back to your few little sheep. This is the battlefield for men. Go home, you little runt. I'm going to take some liberties here. I think it's, you'll see why. But it's almost like David's going, wait a minute. You've been here, you big man. 
Oh, this is, this is for men. But I have a question for you, bro. You've been here for 40 days and 40 nights listening to this uncircumcised Philistine blaspheming the name of our God, and you're doing nothing? And you're okay with that? That's not okay. Let me at him. So then he's taken into the tent of King Saul. All of them, Saul included. In fact, I think that Saul spread the fear, which spreads like a virus, no pun intended. They were paralyzed in fear. Here's this man challenging them and their God to a fight, to a contest. And he's blaspheming the God of Israel, and they're all crippled in fear, doing nothing, 40 days and 40 nights, and they're listening to it, and we're told that he did this every day, all day, every night, all night, and they listen to that for 40 days and 40 nights. David shows up, he hears it one time, that's not okay. I'm going to shut that big ugly mouth right now. Let me at him. Okay, calm down, David, calm down, pastor too, but let's get you... (laughs) Let's, we, need to, we need to get you to Saul. And you know the, the account, right? And he's in there. It, it is to me just, I mean, it's, it's the epitome of irony. You got this little kid. Some believe he was in his teens. We don't know exactly his age at the time. And he's trying to convince Saul, the king of Israel, to let him go defeat this blasphemous, uncircumcised Philistine, whom he never calls by name one time. You will never find him calling him by the name Goliath. You know why? Because Goliath meant champion. And to David, he's no champion. He is a blasphemer. He is an uncircumcised blasphemer. And I'm going to put an end to it right now. And he's trying to convince Saul. And you know what it was that finally, I believe, convinced Saul to let him do it? It's when David remembered, recalled the works of God. He remembered what God had done for him prior And he recalled it and brought it into the present, that which God did in the past. And it gave him the faith. Now, let's make a distinction and delineate between faith and courage. Faith is the fuel in the tank of courage. It gave him the faith. That took faith, right? So where did he get that? By remembering. What did he remember? Oh, he said, With all due respect, King, God delivered into my hands a bear and a lion. And if God could do that, this uncircumcised Philistine is no problem. Now can I go kill him? So Saul's like, okay. So he puts his armor on anyway. I don't want to... I didn't intend to go on and on about that. It's one of my favorite, along with all my favorite accounts in Scripture, but it's my go-to when it comes to remembering what God has done for you. 
I think we would all do well, and again I include myself, when you're going through a very difficult time, to take the time and just remember all of those times where God carried you and pulled through for you. Oftentimes it was at the 11th hour, right? You know, God's timing is perfect, right? God's never late, but He's never early either. But He's always perfectly on time. When our daughter Noelle was born and we knew she was going to die, the medical bills started piling up. And I'm looking at this bill. We had just started the church. I'm working seven days a week. We're sleeping in shifts so we could take care of Noel. And I'm going, Lord, you've never failed me. You've always provided. This is the amount of the bill. As God is my witness, I would go out to the mailbox the next day, and there would be an anonymous money order in the exact amount of that bill. So now, fast forward a few years, and I'm looking at uh, the bills, and I'm, you know how it is when you run out of money before you run out of month? Don't you hate that? It reminds me of that proverb that says, don't feast your eyes on wealth, because surely they will sprout up wings and fly away to heaven. Bye-bye. That's like, what happened? Because where'd it go? I don't, you run out of money before you run out of month, and you're going, okay, God. <laughs> You've never failed me. You're always going to provide. And all it takes is just to remember that one time when God delivered the bear and the lion, when I went out to that mailbox, and that's it. Remember the works of God. Recall the things that God has done for you. God says it, and that settles it. It will come to pass. It will come to pass. Verse 12, let's finish the chapter. Listen to me, you stubborn-hearted, who are far from righteousness. I bring my righteousness near. It shall not be far off. My salvation shall not linger, and I will place salvation in Zion For Israel, my glory. Can't think of a better way to end the chapter. Here again is a yet another much needed reminder that God's salvation does not linger. Translated, His timing is always perfect. His timing is always perfect. Never late, never early. I love that quip. It stuck with me for the many, many years. When the timing is wrong, God says slow. When I'm wrong, God says grow. When the request is wrong, God says no. But if the timing is right, and I'm right, and the request is right, God says go. Here you go. I know in my walk with the Lord there are many times where I am so thankful that God did not do what I asked Him to do and answer that prayer when I wanted Him to answer that prayer. Because had He answered that prayer that way at that time, it would have been horrible. 
I almost, and again, this is a humorous way to see it and say it, but I almost see the Lord when we pray and we ask God for something. Because we can ask God for anything. And if it's according to His will, we can have that which we ask for, right? So we're praying, we're saying, oh Lord, please. And it's kind of like God saying, no, no, you don't want me to do that. You don't want me to do that. And, and you know, you, you've heard that saying, you know, I thank God for all the prayers that He's answered, but I'm sometimes more thankful for all the times that He didn't answer my prayer. And for those of you that keep prayer journals or prayer lists, and you go back over them, boy, that's talk about remembering what God did. I've been doing this since the 1990s, actually the late 80s. And I, here's the prayer, the date I prayed it, what I prayed, how it was answered, and when it was answered. And it, I tell you you, you, you need to pray before you go back over that prayer list, because you start reading these prayers, you're going, oh, oh. First of all, it's kind of like, I can't believe I prayed that. And then you're like, thank you, God, for not answering that prayer. Would have been catastrophic. It's like God's going, I know that's why I didn't answer it. James says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. There's no shifting of shadows. He doesn't change. He doesn't go back and forth. If it's good, God's going to give it to you. If it's not good, guess what? God's not going to give it because, (laughs) well... Jesus in, in the to the disciples queries them, you know, concerning the Holy Spirit. You as earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children. I mean, if your kid asks you for a piece of bread, are you going to give them a stone? If you do, that you we need to talk. We need to lay hands on you, and not the way you think. No. How much more is your Heavenly Father going to give good gifts, the Holy Spirit, to those who ask? But He's not going to do it unless the timing is perfect. And this, this messes up many a Christian, doesn't it? When God seemingly does not answer our prayer, our way, in our time and we grow impatient, because we want it now. And we are so conditioned in this day and age in which we live to dismiss and disregard the value of the process. We just want the end product, and we cheapen it. And we rob ourselves of the value of the process that we go through. I think of that illustration of the little boy trying to help the the caterpillar out of the cocoon so it can become a butterfly. So it, you know, come here, come here. I'll, you know, start starts peeling it and and then much to his shock, the caterpillar dies. Why? Because the process of struggling and and the timing of just that process of getting out of that is what gives them the strength to metamorphosize into a butterfly. We thwart the process and we rob ourselves of the riches of the end product. 
Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Just wait. Yeah, but I'm impatient. No, just wait. <laughs> Isaiah thirty eighteen. The Lord will wait that He might be gracious unto you. In other words, it's been said God's delays are not God's denials. You know, there's a process in this seeming delay, but God's timing is perfect. And when the time is right, He is going to give it to you, and you are going to be so grateful, and you're going to see the grace of God in that process. Well, the whole chapter to me can be summed up in Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy, by the way, means do, dus, to, second law, do, Deuteronomy. So this is the second time. But listen to this, verse 29. Then I said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, He will fight for you according to all He did for you. Past tense, remember? In Egypt before your eyes, remember that time? And in the wilderness where you saw, past tense, remember that? How the Lord your God, here it is, carried you as a man carries his son in all the way that you went until you came to this place. You know that this inspired the very well-known poetic writing, Footprints in the Sand. Doubtless you've all heard it. But if you don't mind, I want to close with it. Because Again, it serves as a much-needed reminder of how it is that the Lord will always carry us through those very difficult and painful times in our lives. One night I dreamed a dream as I was walking along the beach with my Lord. Across the dark sky, flash scenes from my life. For each scene I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me, so I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way, but I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why. When I needed you the most, you would leave me, he whispered. My precious child, I love you and will never leave you, never ever during your trials and testings. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D., 
We hope you continue to be encouraged as you learn some good things from the book of Isaiah. Did you realize that there are 39 chapters in Isaiah that address judgment and 27 chapters that point to God's salvation? How fascinating that this book relates to 39 books of the Old Testament, much about judgment of sin, and 27 books of the New Testament, pointing to Jesus as God's salvation for the world. Isaiah is yet another example of how God interweaves the old with the new, and how prophecies from old point to fulfillment of that later. Are you seeing the connections that God has written into these pages of Isaiah? If you're wanting to hear this message again or more like it, you can find them at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can learn more about the church this ministry is supported by, Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. If you're not already plugged into a local church, we invite you to be part of our church family. If you're in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love for you to come visit us on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times and directions on our website. Again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. We're so glad you tuned in today to learn from the book of Isaiah. We look forward to the next edition with Pastor J.D. and the things that God has put on his heart to share from this prophetic book. Thanks again for listening today to In Spirit and Truth. Holy.